All right, welcome back. Kicking off the 5 o'clock hours, we talk some baseball right now. The Cubs, after uh, making a run five in a row, back in first place, always right in the world. It's gone the other way. Joining us right now, Bleed Cubby Blue, it's Al Yellen on the program with us today. Al, what's happening? Uh, not too much. Reporting from Wrigley. Uh, it's all, all is quiet right now, but we'll have a game here in a few hours. Hopefully the Cubs will right the ship. Well, they get a team, certainly, that you'd expect them to right the ship. They saw Miami way back in the beginning of the season, back in uh, the end of March. But here, uh, different circumstances. you got the excitement of opening day. Now, you know, you're getting into the lulls a little bit. And in a frustrating time for the Cubs, take us back to the weekend series. The Cardinals and just uh, a lot of frustrating moments, including losing two walk-offs in a row to finish it out. Well, you know, the second walk-off, uh, you know, they're one strike away from winning that game. So, you know, that was a, obviously not a good pitch uh, that Dexter Fowler hit for the walk-off last night. But if they win that game last night, then you're talking about, you know, having Javi Bias hit a, hit a home run in the 14th inning. It would have been a, a big boost. Obviously, it's kind of a crushing loss. But, you know, I'm gonna, I'll ask you guys the same thing question I've asked a number of other people. Only one person got this right. Who was in first place in the National League Central on this date last year? The Milwaukee Brewers? Yeah. Nope. Who was it? No, I got to. The Reds were in first place on this day last year, and so that really, yeah, that really tells you how you know we're still only five weeks into the season, right? And anything can happen. And you know, the Cubs struggled last year. They sort of, in fact, they struggled longer than this. They were under five hundred at the All Star break, so it's way too early to worry about this kind of start. Uh, Al, look, I'm I'm with you that it's way too early to worry about this, but I would think if you are a Cubs fan, you would have concerns on you, Darvish. Where are you so far on his early performances? Well, I'm still I'm still optimistic about you, Darvish. Uh, he's obviously got talent. Uh, he's shown it. In, he's shown it in Texas. He showed it with the Dodgers. You know, up until the World Series, and you know, if there's some mechanical problems or something else that he's doing wrong in. In his approach to to hitters, you know they've got a really good pitching coach who I think can help him fix these problems. I think by the end of the year you're going to see Utah Darvish pitch a number of really good games. The staff uh, as a whole, you know, you mentioned Darvish and the big signing of the off season, but Tyler Chatwood they went out. He's been inconsistent, I would say. Really, the biggest thing that jumps off is just the walks. It, a guy that that has the control issues that he's going through right now. You figure that's going to even out right now. Would you consider yourself maybe more concerned with Chatwood just because he doesn't have the same kind of history as you, Darvish? Yeah, that walk rate is very concerning. It's actually, it's not just him; it's the whole team. The Cubs have the third, third largest number of walks in the in the National League, and they played the fewest number of games. So, mm-hmm. it's not a good deal with you know everybody. Everybody on that staff has got to work on cutting down on the walks. That that is definitely a concern. All right, let's kind of roll through some players right now. Let's talk a little bit about Baez and the way that he has been just on fire lately, Al. Uh, you could see this coming, right? I mean, you could just tell that this guy it was destined to have uh, times like this. Well, I mean, you know, Javi Baez is kind of a you know an all or nothing guy. He's gonna he's gonna make great defensive plays. He's gonna hit home runs, and then you know you've seen him make some some errors on plays that you know you think are routine for him. Um, but he's obviously got tremendous talent. I think he's harnessed it a little better this year than in past years. He's not striking out nearly as much as he was before. So again, you know, here's a guy who is 25 years old and I think might be, you know, finally approaching the ceiling that we thought, uh, we all thought that, that, that he had. 
as good as it's been on that side of the Keystone Kids, the other side, Addison Russell, continued yeah. struggled with the bat. Just four RBIs on the year, has yet to go deep. He's got the great glove, but but the hitting just has not been there. And even looking back at the numbers last year, is this more what Addison Russell is, a guy that, yeah, he can provide a little bit offensively, but a glove-first guy? Or are you expecting a turnaround out of Russell going forward? Well, I think you, you have to expect a turnaround from Addison Russell. He's shown that he can hit. Two years ago, he had 21 home runs, driven 95 runs. He's shown some offensive uh, capabilities. He's never going to hit for a high batting average, but, you know, he does have extra base power. And, you know, again, you know, Joe Madden's tried a lot of different combinations with lineups to try to get try to get Russell and other guys who aren't hitting in, in the right spot. You know, Anthony Rizzo isn't hitting, yeah. but you, you know he's going right. to because that's his track record and that he's a hitter. So a lot of guys are not hitting up to their expectations. Really, only, almost the only guy who is is Chris Bryant. So, and even even with with all these guys not hitting where they're capable of, you know, the Cubs are still over five hundred. Al, what about Ian Happ? Uh, there, I know there's been a conversation. It got off to the start well against Miami to begin the baseball season with that home run, but very inconsistent. A year ago, they sent Kyle Schwarber down here to uh, Des Moines and uh, let him get some licks down here, and came back and, and hit much better. Could you see something similar for the 23-year-old Ian Happ? I could definitely see that. Uh, not right now. Remember that when Kyle Swerver was sent down, it was already almost the middle of June. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about a month from now. Um, Ian Happ isn't in tonight's lineup. I think Joe's got to try and get him some more regular playing time. That really has kind of been the toughest thing, I think, for Happ is that, you know, after he struggled to start, you know, then he winds up sitting on the bench for a week, and that, that really isn't helpful. If he's, if he's going to, uh, you know, get out of this, playing every day is probably the best idea. And so in order for him to play every day, maybe he does have to go down. But I, I wouldn't, I don't think they will do that until, uh, you know, maybe a month from now. And plus, then they, then they have to figure out, you know, who's, gonna, who's going to take his place on the bench. They really don't necessarily have anybody at this time who could take Ian Happ's place. Al Yellen is our guest. Bleed, Cubby Blue, anything you need to know about the Cubs, Al has it for you, and he's at Wrigley as we speak. Uh, Al, I'm just curious about the division itself. Last year you, you referenced that on this date last year Cincinnati was in first place. Milwaukee had a great run till the All-Star break. St. Louis... Uh, I, I'm, I'm still uh, on the fence so far with the Cardinals, but do you believe that once we get to the All-Star break and things start to sort out then in late July and August, will St. Louis, Milwaukee, maybe even Pittsburgh, will they be challenging the Cubs at that time? You know, the Cardinals look a lot better than, than I, I think anybody giving credit for. They did make some changes, and they got some good offensive players, uh, especially Marcelo Zuna, to... Uh, to play outfield for them this year. They got a real find in Miles Nicholas, who pitched against the Cubs over the weekend. He's kind of helped stabilize their starting rotation. They still have some bullpen issues, but the Cardinals may be the Cubs' toughest opponent this year, not the Brewers. The Brewers still have a lot of trouble in, with their pitching, both the rotation and their bullpen. So, uh, But, you know, look, there's, there's good teams in the National League Central. The Cubs are not going to run away with this thing. Yeah, it's uh, a different kind of season. You know, last year we... It was pretty cut and dry, everybody, and now the divisions have tightened up. Uh, happening in the East and the Central, even out West, uh, a little bit different than what we grow grown accustomed to certainly a year ago. Last thing for me here for you, Al, I'll let Jim finish up. You know, this, you mentioned, it, it's early. The, the hand-wringing that happens at this point in time, 
what are what's one thing though that does concern you when you look overall? What's the one thing that you think might be difficult for this team to fix? Well, you know, we already talked about one thing that's a real problem, and that's the walks. Uh, somehow yeah. they got to figure out ways to keep guys you know, on the other teams off base, and uh, if they can solve that. These guys, the five guys in the rotation, have all had major league success in other places. So I don't see why they can't replicate that, but they got to figure out a way to cut down on the walks. If they can do that, I think that this offense will eventually get on track. They've got again, they've got guys who have a track record of major league success as hitters. Anthony Rizzo is not going to be hitting 180 all year. So, you know, eventually that's going to start. If the pitching comes through, the hitting comes through the way that we know that they have in the past, the Cubs will be a, uh, you know, could be a division champion again. All right, I'll, I'll close it off then. Will the Cubs be active as we get into uh, the trading area and the trading deadline? Uh, let's say they're still scuffling along, Al. I mean, they're in it, but th- they're not, you know, blowing people away, and they're not, say, uh, 14 games in front. Will they be active? It's really kind of too early to tell. You know, first of all, other than Manny Machado, who everybody knows the Orioles are going to trade somewhere before the end of this year, there's not a lot of teams that are out of it already. Um, and so we don't really know who's going to be on that trade market. We don't know who the Cubs are going to be interested in. There's not a lot of spaces on this roster. Uh, you know, unless somebody gets injured, then, you know, who's going to be replaced? What would they be looking for? So, uh, you know, ask me in a month and I'll have a better idea. Good stuff. Hey, Al, always enjoy the conversation. Enjoy the ball game tonight. The lefties getting a night off against a, a fun young lefty for the Marlins. Should be a good one. Looking forward to our conversations going forward. Thanks, as always, for your time. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Al Yellen, Bleed Cubby Blue, joining us here. Jimmy B, losers now of four in or five in a row, excuse me, after getting swept by the Cardinals, walk-off fashion and extras the last two days. You get the panic, you understand the panic, but I think Al brought it up perfectly. Cincinnati was leading the division last year at this time. Yeah, yeah. You, you can be individually a little concerned about things. I think you, Darvish, is still at the top of that list, but it's early. It's baseball. Thing, things will always turn around. And even with that, they're still above 500. It's not like they've dug themselves such a deep hole that it's right. going to take them having to win you know, 700 baseball the rest of the way. They're fine. They're fine. And, and the other thing, Jim, to me, is this division, even if the Cubs don't run away and win 95 games, I don't see anybody out of that group that's going to win 92, 93. Even at 90 wins, I think they're going to be okay going forward. I, I don't see anybody in this division blowing people out either. So, I, look, this is – I looked at the West, and in the National League West – Everybody's pick the Los Angeles Dodgers. Trent, they're eight games out of first place. Eight. And we're just in the first part of May. So, look, this is nothing. And it always cracks me up where Cubs fans just start, you know, oh, my God, what's going to, the sky is falling. We're all going to die. No, you're not. No, you're not. The sun's going to come up again tomorrow, and the guys will be on the diamond. Look, it's a long, long season. That's why I told you. I get excited for opening day in the first week or two, and then I just kind of bounce in and out until I get to August. And then I start to lock in. And that's that's the way that you have to look at it. They play 162 games. 162. Nobody in pro sports 
plays games like that other than Major League Baseball. So it's, as you always say, it's a totally different dynamic than any other sport. I agree with you on that point, and I'm not nervous about this right now at all. I'm right there with you. But uh, still, you would like to see something a little bit more positive than what's happening and what well, we saw over the It would have been weekend. nice if they would have won one game in, right, in right. St. Louis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, Al said they, they, were, they were a pitch away a couple of different times. You, know, you don't want to overreact. It's the nuance of the baseball season, the ups and downs that are going to be a part of it. Farrell giving up walk-offs the last two nights. But overall... They're going to be fine. They're going to hit. Anthony Rizzo is still going to hit this year, right? I mean, can we yeah, agree with that? Yeah. Rizzo's yes. going to turn it around. Yes. Baez yeah, I mean, has been hot, but yeah. outside of Baez yeah. and Bryant, the rest of these guys, you think Schwarber's going to be better? Russell's going to be better? Contreras is going to be better? So. Rizzo's yeah. going to be better? All those guys are better. Well, you, you got a chance then where you can go out and win 12 out of 15. You do something like that, I think you're going to have a, a big separation that happens in the Central. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. Look, there's there's too much talent on this team to be lousy for 162 games. They're going to have a, a run in there. They always do, and they will be right around first place. And then when you get after the All-Star break, then things start to get serious, and then we'll see how it shakes out. But, look, they're, a, they're, they're above 500. They're just like two and a half out. This is ridiculous. People are like hit the panic button. I think I think it goes back to like the first two weeks and when they came out of the gate a little slow there and everybody was freaking out thinking, God, we should be in first place by 15 games. No, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. It's just the way baseball is. It, it's stunning to me, but... It, it, I guess it makes for sports talk radio. It feeds, I guess, into what we need uh, each and every day. And that's to have a so-called top team struggling, just like the Dodgers are on the West Coast. So from that aspect, uh, I guess it works for us, Trent. Absolutely. We're coming back on the other side. we got Wolfgang stopping by, taking up until 6 o'clock here tonight on 1700 KBGG. Welcome back once again. Jimmy B and TC, we take you up until 6 o'clock. Brinson takes a seat to the side as I welcome in our buddy Wolfgang. You can find him on Twitter at Wolfgang Hawkeye. And here from time to time, mostly during basketball season on the Hawkeye Nation podcast, Wolfgang, you gonna get any podcast going with Miller here in the uh, basketball offseason? We have to. I noticed they've been struggling for topics. I mean, they are struggling. So it's one of those times where it's like, what's you going to talk about? We looking forward to football yet? Do we wait for the magazines? Do we want to do our own homework before we start? You know, reading this stuff that might change our opinion on what might happen. Not that I mean, we're just reading stuff and regurgitating what they're saying, but. You learn new, you know, information from other people that they're bringing in and who's got what back. But, uh, yeah, I think so. Why not? Need to hear you guys together. I, I always enjoy that and always uh, always get a kick out of getting you two together. And, and you can get Miller riled up from time to time. And that's always a good thing. That, that's what we tried to do, right? Well, yeah, he does that with me, LeBron and Jordan, but I do that with him, LeBron and Jordan. I get him a little riled up. He gets me a little riled up. He acts like he's not riled up, but he's riled up. I know you can tell. <laughs> Oh, I could tell. I could tell, absolutely. <laughs> well, uh, let's start right there. You have been a long-time LeBron Bobo. You you have been firmly in his corner. There is, of course, a faction of people that are not so much in the LeBron corner. And, and it turns into this MJ-LeBron debate. And the thing that maybe annoys me, because I love both guys, 
is the side that is staunchly in support of whatever side it is. And they just, they try to bring out these negative sides of, of the careers of either guy. And it just, can't we just, can't we just enjoy both guys? Why does it have to be an either or? Where, <laughs> why does it have to be that this guy is the greatest and this guy sucks because of the, why do, why do people always have to go that way? You know, it's very, did you see Dick Vitale's tweet? No, no. Dick Vitale was like, I don't think he necessarily said LeBron was the GOAT, but he basically said what is my kind of opinion. If you think it's not even close, get out of here. Dick Vitale was going a little bit crazy. Mm. But, yeah, I know, I know what you're saying because it, it's interesting when you hear people. I mean, I talk to all sorts of people, friends, family. Some people are regular jobs. Some people lawyers, doctors, whatever. Really, really smart. Many of them much smarter than I am. And when you start talking about sports or politics, something happens. Something goes off on their brain where, oh, I'm a professional and I have to be, you know, I make this amount of money and I have to be real at my job. And then when sports are brought up or politics, they start foaming at the mouth and start making no sense. And I'm like, this is the guy that might give, you know, I might have to go to to get surgery. It scares me a little bit when they're talking, you know, Paul, and they don't see every side of it. You and I are, I think, spot on in age-wise about where we saw Michael Jordan and we're seeing LeBron. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've kind of just had it with, and no offense, I love hearing the, the really young people's opinions. I do. I like to hear it. I want to hear it. Um, but if you're 20 or if you're 24, I don't know how you would have seen Jordan or how you would have done all your homework or know as much as you and I do because we lived through it. I'm not trying to sound arrogant there. I wouldn't know about Bill Russell as much as somebody back then. I sit here now and YouTube Bill Russell stuff, Trent, and I giggle. And it will be a sad day when somebody does that with MJ and they start giggling about it. But I do when I watch Bill Russell. But this is one of those fun debates. I think we're smack dab in the middle because it's the end of the 30s, the 40s, 50s, 60s, 70-year-olds that can't. And if you have heard one, you let me know. I haven't heard one of them say LeBron's the greatest. Not one of them. Yeah, I can't think of anybody, yeah, in that age range that, that puts LeBron at the top. Okay. And you will hear some younger people stick up for Jordan, but for the most part, they're LeBron guys or they're Kobe guys, and they don't see any of that. But we've seen both now. And the problem is, after somebody's career is all over, we all pretend like Michael Jordan was perfect. He was not perfect. He didn't win a championship, what, till, he didn't get to the finals until, what, seven years in, mm-hmm. 28, 29 years old? We've all forgotten that. We've all, forgot, we've all forgotten, I think he got swept his first two series in the NBA. We've forgotten um, all sorts of, he was a ball He didn't understand how to play. We've forgotten that he never won anything without Pippen. We've forgotten his career. His career, this is how great Michael Jordan is. His last time he won a championship, or was even in the playoffs, I think was 97-98. And we talk about him every day. On Twitter, on sports radio, on TV, every single day you will get a Michael Jordan reference. This is how good this guy is. But nobody remembers. Oh, then he went to Washington. Was it the Bullets or, or was it the Wizards? or I don't know what it was called back then. Didn't make playoffs in any year there shot at like 41, 42%. Obviously, he was older. There's sides to both of this, but the people that think Michael Jordan 
was perfect. He wasn't. He never beat the Celtics. You remember them? They were pretty good. I mean, there's a pretty good reason why he didn't beat them. The Celtics were awesome. They were really awesome. But he, Michael Jordan and the Bulls never beat the Celtics. And I just made myself mad by saying Michael Jordan never beat the Celtics. That's what pisses me off. You need teammates. And we like, we like putting down, well, if LeBron has a guy that actually gets 20 points, he had help. Or we say this about, you have to have teammates. But the, the, uh, the storyline here has been with Michael Jordan that he did it alone. He did not do it alone. And I lived through this era. I grew up, Trent, with friends watching the Bulls games. We were so into it. B.J. Armstrong, my favorite Hawkeye basketball player of all time. Loved him. Loved watching it. Great, great, great teams. But this just in, Michael Jordan did have teammates. He did not do it on his own. Kobe Bryant had teammates. He did not do it on his own. As a matter of fact, he wasn't even the best player on a team for three of the championships. It's, it's a little insane how we do this. And I talk to these people, and they don't see either side. LeBron is not perfect. But if we're going to pick him apart early in his career in the Mavs series, then we're going to do it with, we have to do it with MJ. And him not ever beating the Celtics. Listen to this, Trent. What do you think about this? When did he finally, when did Michael Jordan and the Bulls finally beat the Detroit Pistons? Finally, I mean, it was, it was deep into it. Eight, seven, eight years into his career, something like that? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't remember how many years in, but they were a 47 or 48 win team at the time. This great Pistons team that he beat. No, they got old. They got old. So I don't know. I want, I want some of your opinions. I just went off there. But I want some of your opinions on this. And I can look at takeaway stuff from LeBron easily. And I'll do that in a sec. That's fine. But, man, I like your attitude that you're trying to appreciate both. I can't stand either side where they're like, all this or all that. I don't know who the GOAT is. I don't know. But to say it's not even close... If the young people say that, or if the old people say that, yeah, it kind of is, actually. It's very close. And if he takes this roster to the finals, and he doesn't have to win it, as long as he doesn't get swept. Because there has to be some kind of negative to getting swept out. Regardless of how good Golden State is, I think it's going to be Golden State. You get swept, that that's a negative. But if he goes out there and he forces it even to a Game 6, and they lose 4-2 to this Golden State squad... That's an accomplishment. That's a huge accomplishment. I know for a lot of people, it's just about rings, and it's the six rings. Well, you know what? The the two biggest years, Jordan didn't show up or showed up late and then got, yeah, why, why don't we talk about what happened against Orlando? A young team that just absolutely throttled him when he came back. He had plenty of games underneath his belt at that point. He was back in shape, and he got throttled by Orlando. Why, why isn't that brought up more? I, this is not a script that is over. That's the other part. LeBron, for the first time in his career, he just played 82 games in an era where guys don't do that. He went out there and played 82 games, and he's taking this team and putting it on his back. Not a very good team. He is doing that. This isn't over, but to think that LeBron doesn't have a chance of overtaking MJ to become the greatest ever, it's just silly thinking. It's short-sightedness, and, and that's the thing where everybody just has to be so right right now. It has to be. This debate has to be won today. We're going to keep points for it, and we'll, we'll let you know who came out on top of the debate. Frankly, I don't think it's a very good sports dis- discussion. There is nuance in there. There is nuance, and that's the thing that people continually miss, at least to me. And what I've brought up to you about Jordan, yes, he was clutch. I've always said he was clutch. 
always said he was clutch. I looked up the number. I actually knew it before I looked up the numbers. The one I had problems with was Kobe. I, oh, I looked it up a number of years ago in this last 10 seconds, this last five seconds stuff. I can remember either tweeting it out or doing a podcast with John Miller and pointing this out that the media is very powerful, Trent. It's amazing how they can just say something and everybody believes it. Dude's an assassin. Dude's the black mamba. Dude's this or that. I went up and looked up all this stuff. Now that finally is slowly leaking about Kobe, slowly, it won't come across strong because doesn't Kobe have a job with ESPN now? Right, yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't think this is going to come out. I mean, you've you got to look for this a little bit. I mean, this isn't just going to be right plastered across uh, ESPN Sports Center all the time. But I looked this up a number of years ago. What they found out was essentially what I found out. Not only is he not clutch, he's unclutch. The last five, ten seconds, or last shot. I looked this stuff up long ago. The, this information was out here. This was, yes, right when analytics were starting to get out there. But it was out there. It's small people would point it out, or they'd come on a certain show that I, that I like to listen to because I know they would point this stuff out. It never bled into the mainstream media. They wanted their, this guy's an assassin. Yeah, Kobe was an assassin in late-game situations to his own team. Because he shot like... 26% last 10 seconds, last 5 seconds, or something like that. 26%. This will make it even more up. This is when I looked it up. I don't know if it's exactly the same, but it's got to be close to the same because he didn't play that many more years. That was, that was below average NBA. His clutchness was below average, but we're to believe that he was an assassin and Mr. Clutch. You can't make this stuff up. Now all these numbers are coming out where LeBron is 54% in the clutch. He's got more game winners than Michael Jordan and Kobe combined. Michael Jordan, who I always knew was clutch, the numbers proved it, was a little under LeBron, not a ton under, but 48%. And, but we knew those two were. The media could just make us believe anything, and I'm just not into that. When I hear people just regurgitating stuff, it makes me want to go look it up, and there's no excuse for us to be stupid anymore. There's just not an excuse. A lot of us can't pay for those high-dollar analytics sites, which if I were rich, man, I'd buy all that stuff. All the, the, you know what I'm talking about? Have you seen some of that stuff they're doing now? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a ton of things out there from the arc the arc of the shot. How consistent the yeah. arc is on the shot. How many miles is somebody uh, running during a game? How fast do they do they do they kind of do it slowly or do they exert energy fast? Um, it's just it's insane watching where this is going to go. I don't even know where this is going to go. But it's it's fun for me. Maybe you get sick of the argument. I don't. I get mad. I get annoyed. Then I get, I have fun. Then I get happy. Then I'm like, I'm done with it. And then okay, I'm back. I, it's, I'm a little bit everywhere with that topic because I think it's fun because it's something that's, it's fun to debate because you could debate it with your kids, you could debate it with your friends who you think are stubborn that aren't coming around, which I'm going with now. I'm not saying who I think is better. I'm just saying there's a conversation to be had, and I don't need to have every friend that I watched a Michael Jordan game with back in the day call me every time Michael or. LeBron misses a shot. You know, Michael missed a shot, too. So he's, again, chasing ghosts. Think about that, Trent. Mm -hmm. Think about that. So we can have all these conversations with grandpa and grandma and great-grandpa and great-grandma and uncles and all different age groups. It's very interesting to see how people look, to see if they'll even consider the other side of the argument. And from what I'm seeing, I'm, I'm seeing like almost like a political thing. Like if you have an R behind your name, it seems like people just, no matter what, I got... Trump's back, or if you got a D behind your name, uh, you know, I got Bill Clinton or Hillary or I got, you know, whoever, Al Gore. 
it's just, I'm not saying I'm not into that, because I am, because I'm, I'm glad those people exist, because it makes me, you know, makes you can tell I'm animated here, and I'm having fun. This is fun to me, but, you know, this will exhaust me here in a little bit, and I'll need to go, you know, um, take some energy drink or something, because it, it does exhaust you at a certain point when somebody just doesn't see both sides. And you do. Why do you see both sides? Uh, I, you I do. You're, you're close to my age, but why do you see both sides? Why are you willing to admit this? I, I don't know. I I love Jordan. I absolutely love Jordan, but I, but I realized that he wasn't without warts. And, and just there, there's something about some fans. And, and Wolfgang, you know that this is not me. Maybe it's just because I am a jaded sports fan. You're not going to hear me beat my chest every year when it comes around to Hawkeye football and basketball season or, or the Twins or the Bears or the other teams that I root for. They're going to be great because it's my favorite team. It's not how I'm wired. I, I'm pr- pretty much for the most part, I have a negative tone of all of my teams. And maybe it's because of the heartbreak <laughs> that I've seen throughout the years. Maybe that's a part of it. And, and if I rooted for teams that were good each and every year and, and I cheered for teams that every single season seemingly were out there, you know, a Celtics fan, if I was a Boston sports fan with the Red Sox and the Celtics and the Bruins and the Patriots, maybe it would be different for me because of that. But because of the teams that I've rooted for, the heartbreak that I've endured as that, I just I don't want to set myself up for failure. I, a perfect example is happening right now. Now, I came into this year as a Twins fan excited about this team. They went out. They spent money. They didn't go overboard, but they were in it for you, Darvish. They were willing to pay for him. They got Lance Lynn. They got Jake Odorizzi. They're bringing guys in. They're, it looked like they were on the path. After making the playoffs last year in a surprise run with a young roster, that they were making steps. And I got excited. And I, I went all in. They were going to be better than the 83.5 that was projected by Vegas. They were going to be there in contention. And short of the division being terrible, which it is, they've been a huge disappointment. And now I'm looking at myself saying, why do you get excited? Why, why get excited? Be smarter than but, that, Trent. But when you were in I that, I mean, you, you know the players they were going for and got. Were you into it? Did you agree with what they did? I mean, yes. Or had, had that, they that was done... the other part. That Because I'm normally, I hate what they do in the offseason. <laughs> and, and that was the other part of it. I, as all of these things made a ton of sense. You're, you're going out and you're bringing in guys that make sense. Yes, this is the way you build a team. And then they I mean, proceed to get off to a terrible start, get swept by the Yankees again, lose a terrible series to the Reds, and just on and on and on. And I ask myself, why did I get excited? And, and the same thing's going to happen in football this year because for the first time in a long time, I'm excited about what the Bears have done. And I'm, I'm starting to believe that maybe, just maybe, they're building a roster that can compete. I don't think they're going 13-3 and and winning the division, but at least be in contention. We'll, we'll flip the calendar past November into December. And, hey, maybe they have a chance. It might have to be they're going to have to win their final four, three out of four to be a playoff team. But I think that opportunity is going to be there. For the Hawkeyes, I think this Hawkeye team is extremely talented, as, as talented as they've had in a couple of years. And I think with the schedule they have, they have a chance to make a run. But you know what? We might get through September and they're sitting in two and two and they lose at home to Iowa State and they lose at home at Wisconsin. I'm going to be saying to myself again, why did I get excited about this team? I can already see it. And, and that's the thing. I think Iowa is going to be truly good this year. I think they're going to be maybe even 10-2 and two good. I really believe Holy I, I, do, I have that. But in the back of my mind, this is sitting there. Why get excited? Because every year outside of 2009 that I have been excited about the team, it hasn't come to fruition. 2009 what, where everybody... What happened, what happened to you? I didn't know you were you were picking ten. We talked a little bit about that 
analytics side I was at, and I told you John Miller, I think, was picking him 6-6. Six six. If I'm wrong, John, I apologize. I swear that was on a podcast. Um, I think most Hawkeyes are picking him 7. What What did I miss? What? No, I listened to you. What happened? Where Where did we go from, I thought you were 7-ish to 10? Well, it's it's not official. It's not, Again, hey, yeah, okay, don't yeah. make it official. I no, don't no, want, no, this, this isn't official. And when I, I mean, when it, officially when it's on paper in August before the season, okay. it very well could be 7 or 8. I just... I look through this roster, and there are concerns, no doubt, but the young talent that's up there, and that's another thing. A lot of times, you know, people are pointing to 2019. Well, 2019, Noah Font might not be around, and Anthony Nelson might not be around, and Monty Hooker might not be around. And if that happens, well, 2019 is not going to be quite as good as you think 2019 is because those guys are off and they're piddling around in the NFL. So that's you see teams that people project. A year ahead, they come in a year ahead of schedule. And Nate Stanley, if he takes what he did last year and he expounds upon it and he's hitting and completing 62% of his passes and they're making plays down the field. And and the offense, which was making steps in year number one of Brian Ferris, takes another step forward. And all these different things, it absolutely can come together. Look at that schedule. Outside of that road game against Penn State, outside of the home game against Wisconsin, who else are they going to be a dog against? Nobody. Now, it's very rare that you go through a season and you're not upset. just doesn't happen a whole lot, but it's right there in front of them. And even that road trip to Penn State, I think this team has enough talent to make that a game. I really do. They, they were right there last year, and I don't think this Penn State team is going to be what they were a year ago. So you go through all these different steps, and 10-2 and two is not as big of a leap as I think some people might anticipate. You know I what? Know. We, we, we fall into the trap in the media. You, you ain't calling 10 and 2 just to let people know that. No, You're not saying no. that, but it's not crazy. But it's not crazy. But this comes back to me as a fan, and maybe I'm just looking at it as a fan, and that's that's what you go through in this job is you got the one side, all right, analytically what you're seeing, uh, am I looking at it too much as a fan? Am I, am I going too deep here? Am I setting myself up for expectations that aren't realistic? That's what you get into, Wolfgang. It's, it's a pull. It's a back and forth all the time that I battle – Pretty much every single day. <laughs> no, it's it's fun because you you know you know just about as much about the Hawkeyes as anybody. Then you read national stuff and you go, ah, those people don't know what they're talking about, or do they? Am I too much in the weeds here, knowing too much about the Hawkeyes? And then you might find an analytical site that likes us and go, whoa, I was picking a seven and five, and look at these guys. Why wasn't I evaluating this guy as much as this analytical site? I mean, we need to talk about that. I need to find that stuff. But like you say. There's, we're all over the place. I think most Hawkeyes, if you pull them, 7-5, would you agree? But John yeah, says 6-6, yeah. and six, and he's realistic. That's, I would say that's poo-pooing the Hawks. But John's also called 12-0s, and O's and they went 8-4. and four. Yeah, but he's learned from that. Like you do. You learn from it, right? You learn from a little getting a little too animated, don't you think? Well, but... That was when he was young. He was like 41. <laughs> uh, that's young. Jeez. <laughs> I'm really young. I'm a good shape. I'm a good shape. <laughs> Hey, speaking of baseball, so the Hawkeye baseball team over the weekend, they, they take two out of three against Oklahoma State, who was ranked 12th in the country, not, not in, in uh, RPI, but in terms of actual polls. You know, they, that's a good series win against a very good team. And, and you go back before Rick Heller took the Iowa job, Oklahoma State from the Big 12, which is a power conference and the Big 10 isn't in college baseball, there's no way they're playing a weekend series in Iowa City in May. Just wouldn't happen. But that shows you the, the stature that Iowa's elevated themselves. And they played the most grueling schedule in the Big Ten this year in terms of conference games. Indiana, 
Illinois, Ohio State, all three of those teams, along with Minnesota and Michigan, have all been in the top 25. Their other series that they played was at Nebraska, who year after year is very good. Now they wrap mm-hmm. up, they get the two of the worst teams in the conference, Northwestern and Penn State. you got to figure at minimum they're going to go 4-2, and two, take both those series, and a real opportunity to even sweep both of those series. But let's just say they go 4-2. and two. They'll, fi- they'll finish up the year 13-9. and nine. They will have, let's see, 28 plus their non-conference. They win their non-conference game. They'll be 29-18, and 18, and they're going to be on the path once again of being an NCAA tournament team. At Iowa, on the path to being in the tournament three out of four years. It's unthinkable. And I talked to some people that went to uh, some of the games over the weekend. They brought more sta- stands in. What can Iowa baseball become? What what's is it a destination for every Hawkeye fan? Hey, you know what? At least once a year, we're going to get over there. And can you average? I don't know, twenty five hundred a game is is that realistic in a time where the college sports season has ended? I mean, there there just isn't buzz. We talk football, we talk basketball. You try to find different things, but for the most part, it just it's difficult to grind out anything on the college sports scene. Can I yeah. baseball become something? I mean, speak for yourself. I'll speak for myself. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going out of my way to going to start finding out what RPI you need. What's gonna what a win is gonna need in base? I've never looked at this. What's a win gonna mean against this team? What's a loss gonna mean? What do we have to go in order to get? What's a safe RPI? I didn't know this before that. Mm-hmm. Now I did go to a number of games. Um, oh, two three years ago when I saw this was happening because I've always wondered what if Iowa baseball was something you know in a downtime. You know what if people got into it and started getting buzzed and even people that didn't grow up liking baseball because they're Hawkeye fans want to start getting into it. And I had fun at the games, man. I thought the crowd was into it. Um, I I liked it. I thought there. Were, I don't. I can't tell you what that place even holds or what what I was there. But I mean, it was a weekend series. We had a ball there, and now it's, it it looks like. What do you have to be? Top fifty RPI trend is that what it looks like? You have to get in order to get in. And it's. I wouldn't say. I mean, you 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 were talking about our tough schedule. Well, that's probably a good thing, right? That we had a tough schedule in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. If not, we probably wouldn't have made it. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the other thing. Now, these last two series, they can't crap the bed and, and lose to both Northwestern and Penn State, not only because in the Big Ten, the top eight are there, they fall off a little bit, they might not even make the Big Ten tournament, and then there's no chance of, of getting in. You know, if, if you're not even in the Big Ten tournament, you're not going to get in a large bit into the NCAA tournament. Oh, jeez, okay. So it, they, they can't fall apart and lose, but Northwestern's 4-17 and 17 in the Big Ten. Penn State's 3-18. and 18. You, you lose a series against those teams, well, you don't deserve to be in the NCAA tournament. That's the other part of it. So there's still work to be had here, but I, I just wonder, they've got regionals before. You know, they, they went down to Missouri State a couple years ago. They went out to Oregon last year. Could they get to a level you have to be top 16 to be able to host? Oh, my God, that'd be so. How much would that give a boost, a kick oh. in the bleep? Yeah, to uh, Hawkeye fans that just want to grab onto something right. that hasn't been there for really ever. Right. Was it Dwayne Banks? Yeah. Or, or who was there when I was there? Yeah, I mean, we never did anything. I don't remember. I think maybe one year we did something. I I don't remember anybody even talking about it. People are talking about it now, and obviously, obviously that's because the world is different now, and, and you, can, you can find people that want to talk about the same things you do that you couldn't back then, but I don't remember anybody talking about Iowa baseball other than, man, it'd be cool to have an, a good Iowa baseball team something to get into at that time of the year when there's nothing. Because I think we're one sport short, man. 
I, I think mm-hmm. the United States of America, the world at large, is one sport short. I just I think there needs to be something along with baseball. And with you know, wrestling's obviously big, and it's different sports in different areas, but but this is the one. And the Big Ten has improved a lot through over the last half decade. We saw Indiana qualify for the College World Series. They were the first team in, and I think, 30 years from the Big Ten to even get to the College World Series. So we've seen that. Anthony Schwarber was a big part of that. Yeah, Iowa has a, a great setup, too, because with you and I not having program, Iowa State Drake not having baseball programs, Wisconsin doesn't have a baseball program, You know, there's an opportunity. They get the pick of the litter in-state. If they can keep some of those high-level guys that in the past, you know, the kid that went down to Florida and just blew out his arm. Yeah. yeah but, but they keep those guys at home, and they have, you know, recently. In fact, uh, the, the kid that started yesterday for the Hawks from, from uh, Johnston, he was a guy that had offers to play at some of those big Southern programs, Jack Dreyer. They keep more and more of those kids at home. I think there's still another step that Iowa can improve upon, and that happens. Crowds start to get out there. Hey, it's it's something something in front of them. And three out of four NCAA tournaments, if they do make it this year, that's a huge accomplishment at a place like Iowa, which you're right. It was an afterthought. It wasn't even an afterthought. It was it was a step below an afterthought, whatever that was. It was a non starter. No. And and it's becoming something that, at least in the spring, you can give. Hey, we're not gonna sit here and break things down over a two hour show and, and go in depth into things. No, but it'll be, it'll be fun to talk about. Anything yeah. friend, a little yeah. bit here and there. I mean, we're not right. breaking things down hardcore or anything, but no. Yeah, there's ways to make this, you know, actually palatable for people that aren't hardcore college baseball fans, I think, or at least are Hawkeye or Cyclone fans, or I think they'll at least care about this for a segment. I don't, we don't have to talk about it all, all day or anything, but yeah, there's definitely a way in how much can high school baseball improve. Will they stay in the state versus going to the warm weather? What would be their, um, what would they be giving up by staying in state versus going to a warm weather? Would they be giving up facilities? Would they be giving up, you know, I mean, there's stuff there to talk about, I think. Yeah, Yeah, something to look for in the future. Well, with that, Wolfgang, we are out of time. We'll talk to you again soon. Have a good weekend. Uh, I'll get back to your dog walking duties, okay? Yeah, that's right. That's what I do best. Thanks, brother. See See you. Wolfgang, checking in with us. We'll take a break here, coming back with more. On the other side, as we take you up until 6 o'clock tonight, Jimmy B and TC on the Big Talker 1700. Welcome back, everybody. We wrap things up here on a Monday here on the Big Talker 1700. Jim and Trent. All right, pal, let's just kind of do what we're watching tonight. You know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be locked and loaded uh, because I know Boston and Philly, I, I get all that. They're on right now, but mm-hmm. the Toronto-Cleveland game, look, I, I don't know what LeBron James is drinking, but I wish he would share it with me because I'd love to have that exuberance again. And then I am going to be dialed into Washington-Pittsburgh and Nashville-Winnipeg. These are elimination games tonight, partner. So the hockey is paramount for me, as well as the NBA tonight. Yeah, I'm a little bit more into the hockey this evening than I am the NBA. Jim, I, I know you love your association, but can you admit, these series have sucked. The series that we've had, you mean that yes, with, with Boston, Boston, Philly, Toronto, Cleveland? 3 0 3 come on. I, well, no, no the, the, I, I get that, but look at some of the exciting moments we have had. The games have been close. The games have been close. The series are not close, but the games have been close, Trent. As good as the first round as. This has left a lot to be desired. Fast forward when we get to the conference finals, and I'll be excited. Uh
Brother. about your NBA. I'll, I'll get back into it then when we get there. I'll be watching. I little... just want to know. I, I know we got to know. I know we got to go here quickly, but and I, I want you to get your what you're watching in. I know. I just want to know, did you ever make a LeBron James shot that he made at the end of the game? Did you ever bank one in like that on the run? Uh, no, at five foot seven. No, that did not happen. I didn't have any rudder <laughs> like that, that. That worked out very well to the side. No, absolutely not. My my game, Jimmy B, spot up and fire. That's what I did. Yeah. That's where I was. I did I did have an assist on a game winner, uh, but that's it. That that's all that I had in terms oh, of the game good. winner in a real game. Right. Uh, had an assist okay. after uh, getting it back in a tie game. Flipped it off to the baseline, and my buddy Ryan Graft hit a baseline jumper, our big man, wow. to uh, to win a basketball game. But no, no game winners for me, though plenty of times in pickup ball. Yeah, maybe in pickup ball a time or two. I hit some crazy asinine shot like that. But uh, a little bit more difficult. He's got a foot on me. I'm watching baseball tonight, though, Jim. I'll watch the hockey. I'll be with you. I'll, I'll yeah. flip around, but... My twins have won now three in a yes, row. They're there, but they're going to play St. Louis. It's a step up in competition, absolutely. Romero, I told you about his first start last week, Jimmy B. I'm sure you didn't get a chance to watch much of that, but if you have an opportunity as you're flipping around or if you're at the bar, have that game on one of the TVs, and uh, you'll see a okay. youngster that throws 98, tons of movement on his pitches. I don't think the control will probably be quite as good as it was in the first start, but yeah, step up in competition from the White Sox to the Cards. The Cubs in action against Miami. Be watching a little bit of that this evening. Late night, Houston, Oakland, and eh, maybe Washington, uh, not, not a whole lot. It'll be hockey, a late night of hockey. Yeah. we, we got to do that yep. for our buddy Ken Miller because his, his team has a chance to move on to the Western Conference Finals. They do, and the Washington Capitals have a chance to eliminate the defending Stanley Cup champion Pittsburgh Penguins tonight in Pittsburgh. How crushing would that be? Penguins plus 190 to win the series. I'm on that. That's what I'm jumping on. It's the Capitals. Okay. I'm waiting for them to collapse. It's going to happen at some point. <laughs> We're coming back. No collapse out of us. We'll be back tomorrow starting at noon. Myself and Ken Miller from noon and 2 over to your lunch hour. And then on your drive home, Jimmy B and TC from 4 until 6 o'clock. Thanks, everybody out there for listening in. We'll do it again tomorrow. Enjoy your night in sports.